I'm going to talk about the power and purpose of community. I've drawn from an, an, uh, a guy called John Orberg. I always love his stuff. Um, but a lot of this is revelation to me. And I think in regard to this issue of the power and purpose of community, we as a church, the church of Jesus Christ, can demonstrate this to our world. And I think it's a reason we exist to be able to demonstrate to the world this stuff works. Our world is crying out for community and the church is here to demonstrate it. Now, the first quiz, okay? The first not good in the Bible is found where? Anyone know? Exactly. It says it over here. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. I think it will come up on the screen. It says this. The Lord God said, I want you to notice, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man, the human being, to be alone. I will make for him a suitable helper. Now, it doesn't tell us in there what the manifestation of the not goodness was. We know it was not good for man to be alone, but we don't know whether Adam was miserable, whether he was depressed, what emotions he was suffering. In fact, what we don't read in the Bible there is that Adam complains. It's that God notices and God provides an answer. In other words, God sees our needs and God's always a God who answers our, our prayers and sees our needs. Thank God for that. Even before you cry out, he sees the need. And he sees that Adam is, is alone. And so he provides an answer. And the answer, let me just say this, is yeah, he created a woman. But the answer wasn't marriage. If it was, then you've got a problem about Jesus Christ who was never married to a woman. Apart from his bride. Us, the church. So if the answer was marriage, and marriage is good, by the way. I've been married for 173 years now. Uh, and I'm so glad that I chose my wife and she chose me. It was a good choice. But the answer isn't marriage. And so we have a problem with Jesus, and we'd have a problem probably with the Apostle Paul, who we don't hear of. Some people think he was a widower, but we don't know. So the answer wasn't marriage. The answer was togetherness, community. So God created someone just like Adam, only different. I was reading, I don't always read this, but I, I was doing research on this subject. And so I read a, a newspaper or a magazine called the Jewish Herald Voice. Does anybody su subscribe to that here? No, me neither. But they, they talked about this passage, and this is what they said. They said, the rabbis ask, why was Adam lonely? After all, he had the angels to talk to. The angels would do anything for him. That was true. But man, Adam, could not do anything for them. He was not needed. The angels did not need anything from him. Therefore, he was lonely. He had to be able to help others. To make sure his contributions were worthwhile, he had to be needed. And then they define loneliness like this. Listen to this. Loneliness means you are not needed. He had the animals. He had creation, and creation is beautiful. He had God himself to walk in the cool of the garden with, but he didn't know that he was needed. He needed to be needed. That's why it was not good. 
And here's my kind of one and only point of today. I'll say a few more things around it. But I want you to know, Hope Church, you and I are made for community. You and I need to be needed. And it's okay. It's okay to need to be needed. See, I've heard people beat themselves up with statements like this. I wish I wasn't so needy. They see it like a crack on the ground. It's okay to be needy. I had one young lady come up to me and say this. This is a direct quote to her. She said, it helps me to be around people, but I don't want to be a drain. That lady... She was, well, young in comparison to me. I'm going to guess she was in her early 30s. I remember she used to come to our Friday hub. On a Friday, we have a meal for anyone in the community. And we regularly, most weeks, it's about 160, 170. We kind of peak at Christmas and Easter, get about 200 people, anyone from the community. And she started coming along to the community. And I saw her standing on the edge. And then I saw her get a little bit more involved. And then she came along on a Sunday. And then she gave her life to Jesus Christ. And then we baptized her. And I remember her saying to me, oh, this is my safe place. We baptized her. And then Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we all rejoiced with her. And then I, I noticed she wasn't coming. And I asked around. No, 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 no one had seen her. Three weeks later, I heard this. That young lady had committed suicide. We were able to take her funeral, but I was devastated. Because she told me, it helps me to be around people, do I want to be a drain? I wish she'd just have been more of a drain on people and not thought, oh, I have to keep away. She needed to be needed. She needed to be around people. Listen, I don't know whether you're an extrovert or an introvert or somewhere on the scale like we all are. I've got more introverted, so I like me time. I like time alone. Fishing on my own is wonderful. I've been trying to teach a young guy in the church to fish. And every time we go, we don't catch anything because he's so blooming awful at it. And he splashes around. And I keep thinking, I wish I was on my own. <laughs> So we're all on a spectrum somewhere whether we need, where we need to be needed. But, but all of us, every one of us needs community to some extent in our life. You and I need to be needed. We're all needed. We cannot flourish. You can't be your fullest self without community. According to the Campaign to End Loneliness, I've got a long quote here from them, I won't read it all. But over a million older people in the UK are chronically lonely. You think, oh, it's just a problem for older people. Now listen to this. It doesn't just impact the elderly. 53% of 18 to 34-year-olds in a survey they did said they struggle with loneliness. And the research they did showed that the risk factors for coronary heart disease and stroke, two of the leading causes of death in the UK, increase with loneliness. Loneliness and isolation, they write, are risk factors for coronary heart disease and stroke. 
All of these things combined mean that social isolation and loneliness are linked with a 30% higher risk of an early death. Being in community with people helps us to live longer. Hello? It's good for us. We need community in order to thrive. So when I started thinking of this, I, I thought to myself, well, why is that? And I think Graham spoke on this a few weeks ago. And I, the reason I believe we need community is because you and I are made in the image and likeness of God. And God is a community. You have never set eyes on someone who isn't made in the image and likeness of God. On Monday, we opened up our building to watch the Queen's uh, funeral for anyone in the community to come in. Not many came, but a guy came in who lives on the street. At the end, he just said to me, he said, I need saving. That's all he said. I need saving. He's a drug addict. He said, I need saving. He said, will you pray for me? So, of course, I prayed for him. But as I looked at him, I realized this. He's made in the image and likeness of God. You have never set eyes on someone who is not made in the image and likeness of God. That's why every single person you will ever meet is worthy of respect. Turn to the person next to you and say, you remind me of God. <laughs> I don't know why you chose which way to go and some of you chose not to do that. But there's something God-like in every single one of us. We are made in the image and likeness of God. In Genesis, the book of origins, when God's name is used, a bit of information for you, but it's the name Elohim. It's used another 2,550 times in the Bible. And the word Elohim is a plural title. It's like in the very beginning, and I think I've got this verse on there, where it, where it says this, let us make man in our image after our likeness. You notice the our, the plural? God is speaking as a community. God is the perfect divine society. So as humanity made in his image and likeness, it's no wonder we have this need for community because he is community. So we need to experience, we're made to experience what he is. This is the, the doctrine of the Trinity. This is the importance of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They belong together. Three distinct persons, yet one. God didn't create us out of a need because he was lonely. He was not lonely. He created us because he wanted us to experience the beauty of the oneness and togetherness that he knew in the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He said, we want, to, we want to share this, so he made us to share it. This is the connection we can have. This is what Jesus prayed for us, that we would experience the same oneness that the Father and he and the Holy Spirit shared. No sense of competition. No sense of, I'm the greatest. That's, that's a phrase that's often used. We, do you remember um, the story of Muhammad Ali? Or any of you remember Muhammad Ali used to say, I am the greatest. He was one time, you may have heard the story, he was on a plane and the steward or stewardess said to him, sir, you need to 
put on your seatbelt. Uh, and, and he said, no, no, I'm, I'm Superman. And I don't need no seatbelt. And she asked him again, and he said, no, no, I'm Superman, and I don't need no seatbelt. Until in the end, she said to him, sir, Superman don't need no plane. We can all boast in who is the greatest. It happened with the disciples. But I'll tell you this, it never happens in the Godhead. You never find Jesus saying to the Father, I'm better than you. And the Father saying, no, I'm better than you. And the Holy Spirit saying, no, I'm older than you. Or I'm more ethereal than you. Or I can go anywhere. No, no. There's this unity. There's this oneness. There's this, let's use Bible language. There's this preferring one another. That is a beautiful example of a lack of competition and not wanting to be first. It's not wrong to want to be great, but the way to be great, according to Jesus, is not by saying, I am the greatest, it's by serving one another. I had this thought as I was, I was driving here this morning, I'm going to try this example. I've never used this before, um, but let's see if it works. I want three people to volunteer, you can be the first volunteer, thank you, to, to be the Godhead. So let's call you, we're going to call you Jesus, all right? I know Jesus was a man and all of that, but this lady looks very open and willing. So would you just come here and you can be Jesus and stand in the front. And then I need someone to be the Holy Spirit. You be the Holy Spirit. All right, come and be the Holy Spirit. You stand right at the front there. Uh, The Holy Spirit, go, go behind her. And I'm going to be God the Father. See, this is what the Trinity does. The Holy Spirit says, point, look at Jesus. The Holy Spirit doesn't say, look at me. The Holy Spirit says, look at Jesus. Listen to him. You can't see me right now. The Father, I want you to see me. The Father, he points to Jesus. He says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. This is my Son. Listen to him. And Jesus points to the Holy Spirit, and to the Father. That's all right, good, you're good, good, you can be in my drama team. And to the Father and says, I haven't come to glorify myself. I've come to glorify the Father who sent me. So here's a word I'm going to use. It's from, it's from an essay by a guy called, um, oh, I've forgotten his name, Brunner. And he says, there's this shyness of the Spirit. Not a shyness that says, don't look at me because I'm, I'm self-conscious, but a deferring to others and a willingness to prefer one another that we should all have. And so the Holy Spirit says, look at Jesus. And Jesus says, look at the Father. And the Father says, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. And there's this shyness where they prefer one another. Round of applause for the drama team, please. You can tell me later whether you think that worked. So there's this amazing shyness that they have where they point to each other where we don't get into arguments about who's the greatest or who has the most platform time. You see, kindness and preferring one another really matters. We saw that, didn't we, during COVID season? Kindness came onto the agenda again. And so it should. Let's not, let's not, let's not let it drop off. My son was, uh, was driving um, his... Uh, baby girl, one-year-old, my, my granddaughter, to nursery the other day. Don't, don't tell anyone in Cambridge this. Has this been recorded or not? 
Oh, it is. I forgot that. It's all right. If she hears this, this lady. And, and he was driving in, and he was driving a little bit fast, according to this lady who started shouting at him from her car window. And then realized it was one of our church members who was shouting at him. And he's one of the pastors there. You know, kindness matters. How we treat one another on the road or wherever we go matters. Again, another survey. So this is um, by uh, uh, mentalhealth.org. They said, an article they wrote, they wrote, you might recognize this expression, it's better to give than to receive. I thought, yeah, I recognize that. They're the words of Jesus. In case you didn't know that, I wanted to write to them and say, do you know who said that first? It was Jesus. They may recognize this expression. They said, it's better to give than receive. But do you know this is backed up by research? People who are kind and compassionate see clear benefits to their well-being and happiness. They may even live longer. Kindness can also help reduce stress and improve emotional well-being. Of course it does. Because this is the way the Godhead works. This is what community is about. It's not about me. You know, this idea of celebrity pastors, where did that ever come from? We're not here in order for it to be about me. If we're not pointing to Jesus, we're not acting like the community of the, the, the Godhead. We're here to point to Jesus or to others. We were made for community. Okay, two things by way of application as we, we draw this in. It's a long ending, by the way. <laughs> First is this, number one. Remember, you are never alone. And I don't mean in that instance us together. I am talking because I think it has a lot to do with community because our fellowship in the Father is supernatural. And there's this promise of God, promise of Jesus, that when he went back to earth, he said, never will, heaven, never will I leave you or forsake you. So we are never alone. I, for the first time in my life during COVID, struggled with sleep. I've never had issues with not sleeping at night. But a guy in the church who we were close to died of COVID, Tim Creamer. And I was there with his wife when we had to switch off the machines. And his children, who were all under the age of 10, were, they couldn't come in. It was only me and his wife, totally in all the PPE gear. And it freaked me out. I mean, talk about me. What, what did he do for his wife and the three children on the phone saying bye to their dad sobbing? It started to affect me. Then my mum died and uh, we could only have 10 people at a funeral in North Wales. And honestly, watching your mum die on FaceTime because I wasn't allowed in is not the way to watch your mum die. So I got all discombobulated. <laughs> Couldn't sleep. And other stuff. I've never had panic attacks in my life. Started to wake up at night, sweating and heart pounding. What's, what's going on? 
wanted to give up leading a church because I was trying to cope with the grief of the whole church about losing Tim and we'd all prayed for his healing because we believe in healing, don't we? Uh, and yet there's this mystery that everyone gets healed. And Tim Creamer was the one in the church who used to pray for everyone to get healed. And people did. So I got, and I felt alone. It wasn't true. It's just how I felt. And I'd wake up at night, and I'd go down, and I used to try and read my Bible, but I couldn't read my Bible because... My mind would go down different routes of, oh, that would be good to preach, and that would be good. And I no, no, I don't want to do that. I just, so I started reading novels. <laughs> I've never read novels in my life, and that helped me. I'd fall asleep reading a novel then. I felt alone. I felt alone. I took my mum's funeral. Ten of us in the room. I just, I had this deep sense of aloneness. But the truth was, I was never alone. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. You're never alone. I got through that season with two things, the grace of God and an amazing wife who just kept saying to me, you can do it. You can do it. But I just want to say to you, you're never alone. During that season, I came across this clip when I was on YouTube, and I'm going to ask us to play this, because this guy, Michael Jr., kind of says it so well in an experience of his own life. And then I'm going to say something about us as community. So just watch this, if you would. Powerful, isn't it? All you got to do is open your eyes. All I had to do was open my eyes. The Father's with us. He'll never leave you or forsake you. He invites you into the community of the Trinity. He says, I'm with you. But the second thing is this. We also need flesh and blood around us to touch. Our daughter, Megan, uh, our youngest daughter, she was, came with us to a wedding we took in Cornwall many years ago. It was, um, she was, I think, five then. So this is 20 years ago. She's 24 now. And we were in this stately home. And I was taking the wedding in the chapel the next day. It was really quite plush. And we were in this big old room. And Angie and I and, and Megan were in the same room. And I remember waking up with Megan standing right in front of me, which was scary. And I said, oh, Meg, what do you want? And she said, I want a wee. So I said, well, just go out the door, down the corridor, and the toilet's down there on the right, you know, being a good dad. <laughs> so I heard her footsteps go, you know. And then I heard the door, and it didn't open. It opened a little bit, and then she, I had them come back to me. And she said, I'm scared. I don't want to go on my own. Which is quite understandable in this big old stately home. So I said, oh, of course, Meg. So I tapped Ange and said, Ange, <laughs> your daughter wants to go to the toilet. 
And I think Ange took her to the toilet. She didn't want to be alone. She wanted someone to walk with her who could hold her hand. Friday this week, first time ever, because I'm a granddad now, I, I picked my grandson up from the same school where my son went. And I saw him in the classroom and waved, and he came out, and the first thing he did to me, it's a lovely feeling, because it won't, it won't last forever, he's four. He put his hand in mine. And we held hands, and I know he won't do this. When he gets to probably about seven, maybe, maybe earlier, because it won't be cool to hold granddad's hand, but right now, I just enjoy holding his hand. And we just walked all the way home, talking about what had happened at school. I love it. Being a granddad is the best thing ever. We walked along. He's a little bit nervous still going in and out of school. He's only started a week ago. And they're doing this part-time thing. So he wanted the security of touching someone. Because when you're four, you don't mind being vulnerable. But when you're 44, you put up all these barriers, or 34, or 24, or 14, or 64. Will you still be sending me a Valentine? Birthday greetings, bottle of wine. That's the, that's the worship song we're ending with today. You kind of start to put up all these barriers. Can I say, let the barriers down? It takes vulnerability. Because you know what? In this church here, because this is the same in every church, there are some people that are a bit clicky. Or clicky. And you feel like they're not listening to me. Don't worry about it. There's a group of people you can relate to somewhere in this church that will be your buddies, your community. You might not know everyone. In our congregations, we've got about 1,200 people now. I do not know everyone. I forget names. But someone knows them. And someone knows their name. And someone knows they're needed. Once you get above 80 people, you can't know everybody's names, but someone needs to know your name. It takes you pulling away the mask, and it takes vulnerability, and it takes honesty. Because in that, I'll read one last verse to you. Let me see if I can find it here. You, you've probably heard this verse before. This is it. Therefore, this is James, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. You don't have to confess your sins to everyone. But there may be a small group of people where you need to say, you know what, I'm struggling with this. Or I'm fighting this. Many, many years ago, I'll close with this, when I was a young man, I remember I, I had a little mini Clubman estate. My mum and dad gave me this with, with um, wooden bits down the side. You know, this was so trendy in 19, well, I was 16, so whatever. You had one of them as well. And um, <laughs> I used to leave a paraffin lamp inside it at night so as the windows didn't freeze up. How crazy was that? Anyway, I gave a lady a lift home one night. And we're driving along. And this lady, so just me and her, she says to me, I've been having lustful thoughts about you. 
I was I was about tw- twenty. And no one, no one ever told me this before. <laughs> she said, and I just felt like I should confess my sin to you. So I just remember driving along, she said, I'm having lustful thoughts about you. And I said, that's nice. That's all I said, because I didn't know what else to do. That, that's nice. I was the wrong person to confess that sin to. I'll tell you, I never gave her a lift again. I married her. No, I, no, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. That's a joke. You just need to find a group. And you don't have to confess all your sins to everyone. You just need to find the appropriate group where you can be vulnerable with. Because there is a community-shaped hole for you in Hope Church. Your steps have been ordered to come here. But take away the mask. Take away the stiff upper lip. People say to me, you know, when you preach, you're so vulnerable. Why wouldn't I be? I don't tell you everything. But I tell some people stuff. Will you find that group? You can be, you're never alone. But you don't just need God. Dare I say that? That's right back to the start where it's not good for man to be alone. Even God knew you just didn't need God. I don't like songs that tell me all I need is you because I need you. I was made that way. Let's close our eyes.